Welcome to Verified Rx, your prescription for success. Brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. Welcome to Verified Rx. Today, we continue with the second in our two-part series on staying current with the primary medical literature. I'm Gretchen Brummel, Pharmacy Executive Director in the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence and your program host. Joining us again is Dr. Sarah J. Highland, Clinical Pharmacist at Ohio Health Grant Medical Center. Welcome back, Sarah. We ended last time talking about your multimodal approach. Are there other ways you can think of to limit the workload associated with staying current? Before you start diving into automating all these alerts and plugging into these various listservs, podcasts, et cetera, all of these tools are great. But if we don't pair them with an effective strategy for actually reading and interpreting the literature, then all we're going to be left for are piles of things to read, whether it's inner desks or inboxes, apps like Pocket, et cetera. So my personal mental model is I want to use relevant literature to support my clinical competencies and expertise. I do this through skimming and drilling strategies, and then I ruthlessly tune out everything else that isn't within my clinical competency or expertise in order to make the best use of time. Examples for my personal practice. As an inpatient pharmacist, I need to maintain competency in managing hyperglycemia in hospitalized patients. This is just a core daily intervention that I'm going to need to make for my patients. I need to know why it's important, what the therapeutic targets are, which agents are recommended, and when. I don't need to be an expert in managing inpatient hyperglycemia per se. I just need solid current working knowledge that I can combine with my experience and skills to manage the majority of my patients. And then I need to know where to turn for further support in more complex situations. By comparison, your areas of expertise are going to be more specific topics or medications for which you own a much greater depth of knowledge things that you create or maintain your institutional guidelines for, things you present and publish on, do research in, et cetera. My areas of expertise tend to lie at the intersection of emergency medicine and perioperative care. Topics like pain management, neuromuscular blockade and reversal, rapid sequence intubation, coagulopathy, DVT prophylaxis, things like that. So I tend to be a guru for some really niche medications like Sigamidex, ketamine, tranexamic acid. And so I need to take an entirely different approach to the literature for these areas. And then lastly, my personal example for an area outside of my scope of practice is most all things oncology. As someone who works in the ED and critical care, I need to know how to treat tumor lysis syndrome, acute hypercalcemia, and I need to know how to make an intramuscular methotrexate for ectopic pregnancies. And that's about it. I don't want one drop of anything else oncology related getting into my feeds or my headspace because I just don't have time for it. And that's going to be distracting from the things I need to spend my time on. Your own mix of competency and expertise areas will be unique and will vary based on, you know, generalist versus specialist roles, the degree of integration of your pharmacy practice model, et cetera. But I think it's really important to take that first step back and define these for yourself, or you're going to have a tough time using any of the tools we discussed effectively. Well, I can appreciate that nuance and uh, ruthless approach to deciding what you want to go after in those buckets. You mentioned skimming and drilling strategies. What does that look like for you? When it comes to using skimming strategies to maintain areas of competency, I'm focusing on reading selectively. So I need to know the guideline recommendations and the take-home points from landmark trials. 
Going back to my example about maintaining my knowledge and managing hyperglycemia in hospitalized patients, I can do this by being familiar with guidelines like the ADA standards, landmark trials like nice sugar, etc. I'm not attempting to read every article that comes out on this subject. Secondly, I'm also relying more on the experts. Maybe I'm going to listen to a podcast where the experts discuss the recent guidelines rather than trying to read every word every time a guideline comes out. I'm going to save various infographics, guideline summaries that content experts post, join in on journal clubs. Maybe I'm not leading these journal clubs, but I can listen in and participate. And then also knowing how and where to dig for deeper answers when you need them. Who are my local experts that I can say, hey, Dave, I have this strange hyponatremia situation. And maybe I feel pretty good about managing hyponatremia, but Dave is the hyponatremia expert in my department. Who can I go to when I need to just talk through a more complicated situation? Which organizations made the guidelines to refer to? Things like that. Lastly, making your continuing education or CEs work for you. Really choosing them intentionally and scheduling them accordingly. It may take more time, but it will be a lot more high yield. Case-based and up-to-date modules or workshops that are created by practicing experts and very pertinent to your practice are going to be the best use of your time, even though they do take more time. Things like the self-assessment programs by ACCP, courses by TRC or the pharmacist letter type of things. They take more time than these easy online reads, but overall increase efficiency by not spending time checking boxes in addition to trying to read pertinent primary literature in two separate steps. I do think that board certification can be one vehicle to accomplish this, And along with that, choosing your professional conferences wisely, which state and national programming is actually going to offer high yield education experience for your particular practice area, because there's an awful lot out there now and they're getting ever more expensive and less supported by our departments. There's some really good things out there if you can just be really intentional about them. And what do your drilling strategies look like to maintain your expertise? This is pivoting to a kind of a whole different approach here. First of all, really devoting regular time to reading from your curated feeds. And I think that this is something easier said than done, of course, and looks very different for different people. I worked with one attending who his method was every Sunday morning, he would sit on his back porch with his dog with his pile of journals, and he would read everything cover to cover for the journals that he followed. And when it worked for him, every week he came and he was always spouting off the most recent studies. And it was always really impressive to me that strategy does not work for me. Sunday mornings are usually spent sleeping as long as my toddler will allow me to, cooking a big breakfast and not really thinking about primary literature all that much. I'm more of like a Tuesday afternoon reader. So I have a scheduled but flexible approach to this. I have an automated calendar time on my Google calendar that is just reading primary literature. And it's recurring every Tuesday. If Tuesday doesn't happen, it's okay. I'm going to move it to Thursday or whenever it does happen. I plan for it. I budget my time. I don't overcommit to protect that time. And giving yourself that time in your schedule, I think, is really important. Another strategy I employ is just trying to make my searching and literature complication steps more efficient. When it comes to PubMed, this is obviously a tremendous tool, but in some ways it's a necessary evil. Even after the most recent updates, it's really not the most efficient way to find the most relevant high quality studies that I want to read. A great tool on this front that I've recently discovered and highly recommend is called the TRIP database, T-R-I-P database. It's basically a way that you can search for your PICO questions, so population intervention comparison outcomes, and think about 
your most relevant questions. So like, what is the role of tranexamic acid in elective orthopedic surgery? You can really search for a specific question and it will give you the most relevant studies, review articles, RCTs, systematic reviews and meta-analyses. Instead of PubMed by comparison, even if you're optimizing your mesh terms and other things, it's going to pull in every low quality study, every animal study, things like that. Trip database is a great tool for just speeding up your searching and literature compilation. Using your reference manager to automate your citations across any project, whether I'm making a PowerPoint or a drug info response, a publication, using that reference manager to quickly and efficiently filter in things from my personal database that I compile through these search strategies saves a ton of time. And then committing to scheduled maintenance, as I like to put it, of the institutional protocols pertaining to your area of expertise. I schedule one month of the year or every other year through a recurring calendar invite to maintain every policy protocol, things that I maintain. For example, tranexamic acid in orthopedic surgery. There's just mountains of studies on this, there's guidelines on this, and there's more and more coming out all the time. So if I take a month of the year and I know that this is the month of the year that I'm going to really focus on updating that, I can be filtering studies that apply to that throughout the year. I can do a efficient literature search during that month and update that on a regular basis. And then doing more applied, transformative, higher level things with the stuff that you read. So giving presentations, whether it's a CE presentation to your department, grand rounds for the larger hospital is something that's regular and recurring. So once a year, I'm going to present to this particular service line on this particular topic is a great way to just hardwire maintaining your particular area of expertise. And for goodness sake, if you have taken the time to become an expert in something, please write a review article for the rest of us and save us that time. Whether it's a published review article, a high quality CE module, like writing a self-assessment program or a piece through pharmacist letter, facilitating a workshop at a state or national conference, guest lecturing at a college. These are things that take time, but really help hardwire and automate maintaining your expertise. Lastly, engaging in the research and or quality improvement process. Here at Community Hospital, I'm engaging in practice-based research and quality improvement work all the time through various committees, uh, especially with our perioperative areas orthopedics group. And publishing your QI work and publishing retrospective or prospective studies are just a way to continuously refine and improve your literature interpretation skills because you're living the process. When you're constantly exercising the process of answering a specific question and diving into data compilation and analysis, you're naturally going to be speeding yourself up every time you do it. Now I can get through reading an article way faster than I ever could before I started publishing and writing my own work. And serving as a peer reviewer too, even if you're only been through the research and publication process once or you're on your first time or you're earlier in your career, you can serve as a peer reviewer with various journals. First of all, it's kind of exciting to get like a sneak peek of what's coming out and what exercises your skills and you help the larger community. These all seem like they're kind of indirect, but each time I do it, I'm getting faster and faster. Then it all comes back to, you know, now I can take that back and my weekly Tuesday read is going a lot faster than it did last time. I think those are fantastic tips. So once you have your system down, how do you then maintain it? How do you make it stick? This is a really difficult question to end on, but some take-home points I would recommend on this front. 
include just investing in global strategies for increasing your personal efficiency and retention of knowledge, relentlessly trimming your feeds and other stimuli, unsubscribing from emails, clearing out those TOCs, really saving every moment of your time for something that is value added, and continuously assessing and refining your strategies Never being afraid to learn a new technology or try a different approach. Being humble enough to recognize when something just really isn't effective for you. (laughs) And reading smarter. Reading is something to this day I don't enjoy. I can't relate to reading for pleasure, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. I don't like reading and I don't like writing. It's still not fun for me. I don't think it ever will be. But I can learn to read more efficiently. And there are a number of great books, articles on this topic that you can read. There's actually a lot of research in this area. So I think just recognizing that reading and analyzing primary literature are skills that you can invest in, that you can get more efficient at. Things like the Pomodoro technique, other tactics for really removing distractions and reading very deeply and efficiently don't take a lot of time and can be incredibly effective. Choosing your commitments wisely, otherwise just not underestimating the time and the investment that this takes. Budgeting for it, recognizing that it's time, it's resources, and sometimes it's money. When it comes to curating, analyzing, summarizing knowledge, this is a skill set that takes education and time, and it can be your time, or you can pay for another expert's time through things like self-assessment programs, and these can be highly worthwhile. And lastly, just don't go it alone. There's no end to the layers that we've discussed in terms of your internal departments, the external community, social media, recognizing that we're all sharing this universal struggle of how to identify, absorb, and retain the medical literature pertinent to our practice. And relying on your team to keep you in the game is something that is always very useful to me. We can all appreciate that. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us to share your insights and expertise. It's been wonderful having you on. This has been really fun. Appreciate the invitation. Please join us for more Verified Rx podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Verified Rx is your prescription for success and is brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. I'm Gretchen Brummel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.